0: for the products to give you the best margin. And that's why putting them into your spreadsheet so you can evaluate all of your products pretty quickly is going to be important. Now that the target is definitely, I would say a 5X and above for margin.
1: Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, this is Michael Veazey from the Amazing FBA podcast for Amazon sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which is the show for the owner of any e-commerce business, including those outside of the Amazon sort of sphere. In this shorter episode, we bring your you odd hot takes on topical and central e-commerce subjects fresh from our experts panel, Chris Green, Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, and myself, Michael Veazey. Enjoy the show. Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know e-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's AmazonProfitQuiz.com to get your free instant diagnosis. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to AmazingFBA.com forward slash 428. Let's jump in. We've got a
2: fun topic today, everybody. We are working with clients on their branding And so one of the good questions that came up this week is how do you really know whether you should pull the plug on a private label brand or whether you should keep going with it and when you're in the testing phase? And so the whole idea of what are the criteria for testing a private label brand? And, you know, when do you when do you get real clarity on, yes, this is working or no, it's not and how to move forward. So, Kyle, obviously, this is an area of your expertise. You've scaled two brands on Amazon and uh, so you've worked through that process and hit you know two in a row and so you know this is a challenge for a lot of people so I thought we'd kick it off as a topic and uh, so talk to us a little bit about it you've got criteria we can brainstorm a few together we have you know conversations we've had previously we can revisit about criteria but talk to us about this topic tell us what you think
0: yeah for sure i think it all starts with your criteria for sure i mean if you it's easy to get lost in the weeds if you don't have a framework in which you operate from. Sure. So at a bare minimum, what you want to have is really like a spreadsheet that you have, your criteria clearly identified. So you can start throwing stuff in and quickly begin to evaluate yeah. these products as you find them. Right? So before so, we talk about the criteria, I think it's important to just say, well,
2: some first principles, I guess I like to say in Silicon right. Valley. Is, are important probably, and, and one of the first principles is there's a quote I think it's a Chinese proverb that says before you start any game, know the rules and when you're when you're quitting or like what's the you know when you're stopping. And I think a nice. first principle for this whole topic is if you're going to test something, start with the very very basic criteria: how long you're going to be willing to test it. What are the basic principles you're going to apply? Like if there's a dollar amount you're going to spend on the testing and, you know, when, what it looks like for you to say, I'm starting and I'm stopping. And because some of these things can of course go on forever with outstanding questions that you have no way to really decide on and you've got to operate sort of in the, in the mystery of it. So I think that's probably the first thing is one of the first things is just have a
0: finite test period. Exactly. So. I agree. I think you have to set up a test period for it, but you also have to be mindful of when you're testing. Okay. Because if if you start testing a product in Q4, sure, it's not a real test because you're just benefiting from all of the buyer craziness that is Q4. Yeah. And you realize maybe the rest of the year that the product doesn't really fly and you're only just benefiting from people wanting to buy and need to buy buy gifts, right? So don't test products in Q4 test them in Q2 or Q3 to prepare for that onslaught okay. so you get a really accurate picture potentially. Now, the caveat to that yeah. is if your product is seasonal, yeah. then you have to be aware of that going into it as well. right? Because so, so you actually do need to calendarize your testing to
2: work out. Obviously, you do want to know what would happen in Q4, sure. so maybe you do want to test in Q4. But then also test it again in the summertime or, you know, figure out the degree to which seasonality is involved. I mean, if you're, if it's a winter product or a holiday product, then you'll know that obviously it's like a double layer of seasonality. Sure. Our product line at Pixie Fair is a good example. It's a wintertime sport. Sewing, knitting, crochet. In North America, that's a wintertime activity more than a summertime activity. So we have this sort of rolling calendar throughout the year where it really winds up and then it kind of goes down and then it kind of goes back up and we've lived that with that for like 11, 12 years. So, yeah, so that, that, that'll be a key factor for it. Okay. So let's talk about the criteria. So you've got the list. I, we
0: can go back and forth if you want. I can take a couple and mention them as well. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first one that comes to mind is margin. Okay. Like optimize for the products to give you the best margin. And that's why putting them in into your spreadsheet so you can evaluate all of your products okay. pretty quickly is going to be important. Now that the target is definitely, I would say, a 5x and above for margin. I wouldn't go. Okay. I've I would, heard people say lower than that. Some people have, have said three. Uh, sure. I mean, and you, and you yeah. run the risk, right, of whether or not you're mm-hmm. going to be able to source this and deal with all of sort of the, the products in that mm-hmm. process. But what people ignore yeah. when they think about margin is they only really evaluate. And here's a key takeaway. This is, this, is a, this is a hot tip. When you, when usually when people think about their product, they only are thinking about it in terms of cost of goods. Sure. So how much does the product cost? Okay. How, what can I sell it for? How much does it cost to get to shipped? And then maybe maybe if they're really scared, they're thinking about their Amazon costs, right? That's sure. part of that. But what, they, what it fails to encapsulate and what you have to plan for is your fixed operational costs, mm-hmm. right? And any additional advertising you need to do for that product. And sure. those should be baked into your, to your calculation, right? Like you, there's yeah. a certain percentage that are baked in for operation, fixed operational okay. costs and then your profit. And then also, if you're thinking about this, what are you going to take out of that? That's going to be for growth. Yeah. Like to build a scale for other products and other testing. So all of that gets baked in. So that margin begins to increase significantly when you start to factor in those yeah. components. So, so for all now, those I'm, reasons, 5X is better. 5X is better or more. I mean, obviously, if you yeah. can get better than that, then congratulations. You, you may have found a winner, but I would start there. And yeah, does it mean that you're going to have far less products to choose from? Yeah. For sure. You're going to be much pickier with your process. Right. But that's, that's really kind of the criteria you want to be able to set. You want to be picky and yeah. finding the right, the right deal to launch. So you want to obviously have criteria that
2: pre, you want criteria that pre screens bad ideas to test on Amazon. Right. And I this exactly. list of criteria is almost, some of these are just screening out bad ideas. You don't even bring them to Amazon. So you don't test Correct. anything that's not 5X, you know, markup. And so that means, just to be clear on the math, if you bought it for a dollar, your minimum retail price, what you would want to have is $5. Although we're going to talk about pricing in a minute, but just yeah. in terms of the margin markup, 5X, that's sort of the base math, right? Sure. So, but let's talk, so... Criteria number two actually is a price point-related criteria. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things you discover on Amazon, if you're testing, we're assuming you're testing on Amazon, is that Amazon fees are expensive. Yeah. And they really do impact you significantly. And so at the pure math level, one of the things you want to really think about is, do you even want to have a product that has a price point, an average retail price? Below like twenty dollars, and I would say the consensus is no, you shouldn't, Mm. because on Amazon the expense structure destroys your margin. The lower down you go, you know, my average item I sell on our Shopify site is like, you know, we have items from three dollars ninety nine cents to you know like twelve dollars. If for most of our catalog is like that pricing, I can do that on Shopify. But you know, if I but because the only thing I'm incurring is transaction fees. So PayPal fees or Stripe fees. Oh, but on Amazon, you've got other fees baked in. And so you really want to think about a price point being north of 20 bucks at least. So that the cost of the sales and transactions doesn't eat up all your profit.
0: That yeah, sound right? For sure. Yeah. So we, you have to be definitely mindful of that. And the higher, well, and the higher your price point is too, the more actual cash. Like, Right, your margin might be if you buy something for five cents and you sell it for twenty-five cents. Yeah, my margin's great, but guess what? You have to sell a lot of that item in order to generate actual cash. Sure. So if you take that from going to a from a five-dollar sale, right? Because and even if you source it for ten cents, right? Yeah, and you take that to a fifty or sixty-dollar sale, the margins might get compressed. You might not right. get as good as margins, but the actual Profitability and dollar amount that you're generating is significantly higher. Sure. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's
2: rattle through a few more, and, yep. and uh, we'll go through uh, these a bit more quickly. But um, what's what's next on your
0: list? Having a minimum order quantity that is doable. Okay. <laughs> Meaning, sure. so when you anytime you go to test a, a product that you're having branded and, and built, the supplier is going to ask you for a, a minimum order quantity. Now, yeah. the nice thing is, is that's always negotiable. So never take like the very first minimum order quantity because that's always the very first basic thing that they're going to do. Right. So definitely do that. Another hack for you to be able to, to kind of test with this is you can actually test with it without it being branded to your to your brand, right? The private label. Just use their house generic brand for a small order quantity it, 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 because the if it's samples, it, they're, they're, yeah. yeah, they're charging you more probably to do your own private label to boot the branding. So if you can get yeah. a, a sample of like a couple hundred. That are just their house brand that you can just test product viability on. You can do that for a much cheaper price point and not have the risk also of impacting your brand. Because if you're testing a product and it's terrible, you don't want that to be associated with your brand for the long term. So that's one way you get around it. But having a low minimum water quantity is a way you can test your way into it without spending a lot of capital up front. Yep. Okay. I love that
2: one. Another one that follows on to that idea is you want to have products that you can easily get resupplied on. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're sourcing products that have a killer margin, but you have to ship them in a insanely slow cycle of, you know, resupply, then, you know, you really can be caught in problems on, on the Amazon side for sure. And, you know, that means if you go, if you run out of stock, then your, your BSRs you know, tank associated with the keyword you're trying to go for. So for those reasons, having a product that you can easily get resupplied in a week or two, couple of weeks is really ideal. If it's months, then you've really got to think it through. And, and it might be something you say, no, not so much uh, in
0: terms of the test. So that's, that's, I think that's our fourth criteria. What, what else you got on your list? I would be looking at, and this is sort of a bigger picture of the, of the market in which you're in. I prefer markets that have some increasing demand you can right. ride the wave in as opposed to a declining market. Okay. Now it, it's not the end all be all. I, I mean, I, I would, so in essence, when you're building your criteria, you're going to weight certain things above Fidget other spinner. things, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> declining market, not Fidget. a good idea. <laughs> highly saturated, right? Like if right. it's extremely highly saturated or it's going to be hard for you to compete in, then that's yeah. going to be a market that I'm going to deprioritize or that product and now put it see, lower on my list.
2: You see, I think you, you and I have contrary, you want the wind at your back and a growing energetic market. I think for me, I would almost take the counter argument and say, I'd rather go to the sleepy markets that have no competitors that know what they're doing, that don't sure. have any energy in the market, <laughs> that still have some demand well, that you right. can, easily
0: control so that's sort
2: of the, yeah, yin yeah. And the
0: yang of the uh, i respect. agree i agree i think there's a distinction that can be made between a mature market and a declining market though too true like a declining market would be fidget spinners like it was a, it was right. a, you're riding a wave of some yeah you know fad where yeah. a mature market it's just it's just there like there's some stable and that, and that would be a valid market to be in for sure right. yeah I just you got to make sure you know i my biggest point from this is understand the context of what you're trying to sell the product. Yeah. Like I got you it. want, you want to be able to understand where demand's coming from, what's driving that, which leads to another point.
2: Yeah. I'm happy to tee that one up, which is, I, I mean, I think in general, all things being equal, Kyle and I both prefer products that customers are going to buy frequently. Yep. And so that means, you know, replenishable, consumable, mm-hmm. you know, if you sell somebody a wedding ring. You know, you, even if they're your best friend, you're only going to sell them maybe a couple in their lifetime. But if you sell somebody, you know, eggs and milk and, you know, vegetables, then, you know, you're going to be selling them a lot of that stuff. So that spectrum of frequency of purchase, I think is something to really think about. You know, you've in your brand building experience had a consumable in Mm -hmm. essence through the art product, the journal. Yeah. Actually sketchbook. And then the bearings, though, I would say is probably a lot less frequently consumed. You'd be be saying, but yeah, no,
0: I mean, it's less potentially. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, how, depending on how hard someone rides, you know, they, they can go through three or four sets a year. They're really passionate about it. Yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely comes down to how hard they're riding. Yeah. So
2: that, that spectrum, you really want to think it through and ask yourself the question, am I satisfying this person's demand for this product forever? And if you are, it's probably a bad idea because you, they just will never bond with you. Yeah. You'll never build a brand out of it that they'll want to come back. You'll never build a Shopify site out of that type of approach. And so that's something to think
0: through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What else? What else is on your list? Anything else at the top of mind? Yeah. There was one more uh, in terms of understanding sort of your marketplace and where you fit in context is I would avoid products in categories where they, there's an apex brand that owns it. And yes. One of one of the quick ways yeah. in which you can determine that is if you look at your product, and you can immediately within three seconds think of a brand that's selling that exact same product. I would be leery of launching that because they own mindshare, right? And you
2: really have to ask the question: Can you break into that? Now, maybe the answer is yes, but it will be a harder slog than if there's a, a niche or industry where there's a lot of Mm. sort of unknowns Mm -hmm. and there's no apex predator out there just that you have to you have to go head to head against yeah I would agree with that totally I I think it's smarter to find spaces where there's demand and no one has said I want to be the provider for all these clients or customers that really have this issue and I'm going to own it I'm going to build an amazing brand amazing website amazing service to really treat them Special, Yeah. Um, sure. that I think is a huge opportunity. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I mean, this would be the obvious absurd point, but if someone came to me and said, Hey, I'm, I'm gonna launch this brand new smartphone company. What do you think? I'd be like, Apple, have you ever heard of this company? Yeah. Like you're gonna compete, be competing against someone that immediately had a brown Samsung, another, yeah. I mean, so that sort of exercise is helpful. Yeah, for sure. Dude, this is like a master class in one tip of the week video. So. I know, like we, we <laughs> went deep, probably like mind-blowingly deep. We, we went a little smart. But, but really this is, there's a lot of content here. In fact, there's is. other criteria that we have not talked about. We have not.
2: It's on. Yeah. Um, but sure. anyway,
0: yeah. And if you like this content, let us know so that we can actually go deeper in this in additional trainings and stuff as well. No doubt. And then obviously, if you're not a part of our inner circle or
2: if you haven't looked into our one-on-one coaching, Kyle and I work with clients every day of the week on these types of topics and Mm -hmm. out over the details of branding and traffic strategies, that kind of thing. So we love working with one-on-one clients. If that's of interest to you, we'd love to have you check it out. You can find more about it on on Mm winningonshopify.com and we would, uh, there's an application process. So it's not for everybody. And uh, so you fill out the application and then we have, oh have 30 minute conversation with you to see if it's a good fit and we explain the details. So that's sort of the process on that. So awesome stuff, man. Great time. And uh, thank you again for hanging out and we'll see you next time.
1: Definitely. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the e-commerce leader. Hey, don't forget to subscribe because when you do, you'll get notified. And next time you log into your podcast player, you'll see our latest episode nestling at the top of your list. Thanks again for listening. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 428. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.